Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland, Intercom Radio Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. There are a couple of things that I've been wondering about over the last year or so. One is, what's happening with Special Olympics Oregon? And is the polar plunge going to happen this year? Let's talk about it. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Mark Hankin. Mark is the Chief Operating Officer for Special Olympics Oregon. Hey there, Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland. Hey, Gary. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, Special Olympics Oregon, you've been there for how long? I've been there since 2003, so I am going on my 18th year with wow. Special Olympics Oregon. That's a good long time. Yeah, it's been a, a good run. Tell me about some of the history of Special Olympics Oregon. So Special Olympics Oregon uh, was founded in 1972. So we've grown over the years. We're a statewide organization that serves individuals with intellectual disabilities, children and adults aged eight through the rest of their life. A special athlete can be in our program. And we have some athletes who started back in the 70s and have been with us ever since. So uh, we will turn as an organization 50 next year. Wow. Uh-huh. That's so great. Uh, yeah. As far as the organization goes, we've, you know, we've evolved over the years to um, serve more and more athletes uh, throughout the states. We're in schools throughout the state of Oregon, where we now offer Unified Champion Schools, which serves individuals with and without intellectual disabilities in unified programs. And uh, our Unified Champion Schools is recognized nationally. We have 150 schools that we're working with throughout the state of Oregon to work on really a a three-tiered program where athletes and unified partners can compete on the field of play together as teammates in unified sports. But we also have uh, unified leadership experiences as well as school-wide engagement education programs where really we're trying to promote inclusion. And inclusion is a movement where it's really about accepting individuals for who they are and recognizing um, what everybody has to offer within a school community. And our programs have really helped um, shape opportunities for our athletes, the individuals with intellectual disabilities within special ed programs, to have more opportunities, not just within our special ed sports programs, but also in different school activities. It's really changed the attitudes of individuals, reduced bullying, and uh, some of the other negative outcomes when you isolate certain individuals within a school environment. So we're really proud of that work. 
We are also involved in 30 community-based programs, which we call our local programs. And these serve children and adults, but really it's where our adult athletes um, can participate and thrive. And these local programs are supported by volunteers. So we have volunteer leadership as well as volunteer coaches. We have a small staff that supports our overall program delivery around the states. And we're really proud of the work that these volunteers do to serve our athletes. We offer three different sports seasons. We have a winter, summer, and fall. And within a year, we offer 14 different sports. So we have various team and individual sports for athletes to train and compete and they have opportunities to compete at different levels locally. We do regional competitions within the state. And then we have, uh, in some events, some state-level competitions. And so those experiences for our athletes over the last, you know, nearly five decades have been what we've been able to offer. Mark, um, so- it- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll address what I would say is more of our recent history. I know that uh, we captured some headlines in 2018 when the organization was going through some financial challenges. And we've definitely had ebbs and flows in the time that I've been there since 2003. Um, You know, we were hit in uh, 2008 when the recession was really difficult for many nonprofits. And we adjusted some of our programming at that time. We had to scale back for a couple of years, some of our events, and then we're able to return those. And then uh, in 2018, we faced some significant financial challenges where our program delivery expenses were, you know, more than what we were fundraising. And so we had to make some serious adjustments within our organization to address those. And uh, over the last couple of years, we've come out of financial challenges to a place where we're stable and we were on a good trajectory in 2019 fall. And then in 2020 winter seasons, we were able to return to uh, regional level competitions where we were having 2000 participants that were training and competing in respective sports in those seasons. And then COVID came along and we've had to make the next pivot as an organization uh, with that, we went to some virtual programming, which we can talk a little bit more about as we get into our conversation. Uh, but this past year, we uh, were able to fundraise at a level and um, spend at a level that has kept the organization on a good, healthy trajectory, living within our means and um, serving our athletes around the state. You guys have been busy. We have been very busy. <laughs> it's, it's been a been, busy couple of years. It's been hard work, and uh, it, it was on um, you know the backs of some really generous donors who believed in us and other supporters, and phenomenal work by volunteers around the state who believe in our athletes and our mission. We are talking today with Mark Hankin. He's the Chief Operating Officer for Special Olympics Oregon. Well, Mark, let's talk about it. How has the pandemic affected things that you guys do at Special Olympics Oregon? Well, like everybody else, we've had to adjust to um, the challenge of not being able to gather in person. We are in the people gathering business. And so how do you work with and serve individuals when you can't 
be in person. And so early on in the pandemic, we recognized that we have to find new ways to serve our athletes, deliver sport, health, wellness, fitness. And so we created something called SOAR Active, S-O-O-R is the acronym for Special Olympics Oregon, so SOAR Active. And uh, we went on a Facebook platform and started offering health, wellness, fitness, social opportunities for our athletes, their families, and our volunteers to engage in different ways to stay connected, keep moving, do sport in different ways. And we have uh, more than 1,100 members now as part of that community. And we offer daily activities that range from Zumba classes to bingo to um, different health and wellness education. We've partnered with University of Portland's athletics uh, leadership group, and they do social hours where we have collegiate student athletes interacting with our athletes, just talking about what it's like to try to, you know, do the sports you love in the environment that's different right now. So we found, uh, I guess, some lemonade out of the COVID lemons through yeah. that. Um, other ways that we're tackling the challenge of not being able to do in person. And the reason we aren't doing in person with our athletes right now, I know there's some sport organizations that have come back with various levels of social distancing practices and um, the ability to do sport or skills for us. We've made the decision uh, to keep our athletes um, at home or within their household. And it's because individuals with intellectual disabilities Data studies have shown one study out of New York um, showed that there was a four time greater increase for an individual with intellectual disabilities to have a serious negative outcome if they contract uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. And so for us, that's a risk we're not comfortable taking uh, during a time in which, you know, rates of infection within the state have uh, continue to increase over the past year. So we'll continue to look and use science to guide us and, and be cautious. We take that with feedback from our local program leaders that I talked about earlier, the volunteers and families, and it's tough. Our athletes in general face greater isolation than their non-disabled peers. And so not being able to get together and circle the calendar weekly to go to practice or to get to get on a bus and go to a track meet or play in a basketball game, we know that they miss it. As someone who's been involved with Special Olympics for as long as I have, I miss it so much. So I know the importance and power of sport. I don't think but, any of us will ever take social interaction for granted ever again. Absolutely not. And so <laughs> what we've done with our sport is we've created uh, virtual competitions. So we just had a successful fall virtual games and we're now just about to launch in um, late January through early April. We will have our winter virtual season where we'll offer different sport experiences where our athletes can sign up for uh, sports They'll be matched up with a virtual coach, and then they'll work through those skills and um, events in at-home or neighborhood or local park settings. And again, with the guidelines being that you can only do so with other individuals within your household. So, for example, if uh, one of the sports we're offering is track and field, if you want to sign up for the 100-meter dash, 
you could do so, and there's different ways you could pull it off. You can measure 100 meters uh, at a local park. Um, you could do it at a football field at a school if you have access and permission to use. You can run it on a track. You can also measure off what might only be 20 meters in your backyard, and you have to do five down and backs total to get in your 100. But as long as you start the watch and you finish it and you complete that, you can turn in a score and be recognized at the end of the year uh, for the end of the season with a commemorative medal. And we'll do, you know, opening ceremonies and some um, virtual awards ceremonies and some other experiences. We were able to do that in the fall and had several hundred participants that were able to train, set goals, compete, and be recognized for their experiences. Wow. Way to pivot, man. That is so great. <laughs> pivot is the word <laughs> yeah, right now. Sure. Um, yeah, and basketball is one of the sports, so I guess right now we're in the pivot. So. We are talking today with Mark Hankin, COO of Special Olympics Oregon. Now, Mark, I want to ask you, why? what is it about sport and the activity of sport that is such a positive experience for your athletes? Well, I'm, I'm biased. I grew up uh, son of a coach, PE teacher, athletic director. So for me, sports always been a key part of life. I think it uh, is transformative in that it connects individuals of, you know, all different ages, socioeconomic backgrounds, interests. You can find common ground on the field of play. And I spoke earlier about uh, our inclusive sport programs, and it really is a common language that people can share within our program. You know, for us, it's the promotion of not only uh, the physical fitness, but working together, setting goals, forming friendships for many of our athletes, uh, especially with coaches, a significant part of their life as far as someone that can be a, a strong role model, a connection. And for some of our adult athletes, other than being at home, this is their second place. They may not go to work or have other places that they go. And so Special Olympics becomes a big part of the family experience. So sport is something that we recognize needs to be able to have a range of abilities. So we offer events that have that range of ability. We also offer sport choice where there's individual sports like golf, or bocce, um, or bowling, all the way up to, you know, higher impact sports like soccer and basketball and volleyball, where you have this range of abilities and interests that um, can attract different individuals that all ultimately comes down to having the ability to get on a field of play, have the opportunity to learn skills, be guided by trained volunteer coaches, opportunities to then compete and showcase those skills and then be recognized. All our athletes won't earn the gold medal, but they will be recognized for their achievements with whatever place they get. And knowing that we apply standard sport rules, like we're recognized. The reason we get to use the word Olympics as an organization is because the IOC has said, these are standards that you need to meet as an organization. So we work with sport governing bodies to establish our rules and guidelines. We work with officials. We do real sport. Um, and so with that, our athletes are held accountable accordingly. And so even in our virtual sport, there's more on your honor going on. Like clearly we can't have officials in your backyard measuring you as you throw your um, tennis ball throw we're doing instead of a shot put or running an event or in basketball it's 
how many times you can dribble in 60 seconds and count it. But we still want to ask our athletes to train and compete two rules, whether it's virtual or in person, we're going to hold you accountable. And then it means something. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, tell me about the sense of pride and achievement the athletes get by participation. Well, um, you know, over the years, I've watched, you know, the, the celebration of our athletes at our award ceremonies or on the field of play. And uh, I don't think it's any different than you'll see in high school athletics or collegiate or other level of sports. Um, when you work hard and you set a goal and uh, you compete, it's satisfying when you achieve that. And so our athletes are just that. We call them athletes because that's what they're doing. They're doing sport with purpose. One of the things that uh, Portlanders are very familiar with this time of year is the polar plunge. And I'm kind of assuming that that may be a little bit different this year. Let's talk about the polar plunge. One of, it's one of your biggest fundraisers, right? It is. So it's our signature fundraiser and we've been doing it for more than a decade. And uh, I have jumped in the river many times <laughs> over the years. Uh, so and you I've survived. A willing, a willing participant. Yes, I have survived. <laughs> and so for us, um, you know, this is beloved and it, it's recognized as, you know, a way to bring in the community. Some of the folks are really connected to our organization and some people have polar plunged because it's just, something crazy to do. And, and so with that, um, I think this year it's a challenge for those individuals that are not as connected to our organization, maybe not as aware of uh, some of the pivots that we've made virtually. So it's going to be different in that we aren't going to offer in-person plunges, you know, in a normal year, Polar Plunge would take place in five locations throughout the states. Uh, we do one in Portland at Broughton Beach near the airport on the Columbia River. There's one in Eugene, Corvallis, Bend, which is our longest standing plunge. That's where it all started. And then one in Southern Oregon in Medford. Uh, but this year, um, you know, with the safety of the athlete and plunge participants as a priority, we won't be gathering in person for plunges. So the challenge now is a plunge at home but uh, we're going to offer different events to make that happen. Tell me about some of those events. This sounds super interesting. And, and again, a way to, great way to pivot. Yep. So uh, we're calling it freeze in February. So annually in February would be when we have these five events throughout the state and they'd be on various weekends building through the month. Uh, so freezing February events uh, will kick off and you can learn more about uh, freezing February and polar plunge through uh, both our specialist Oregon state Facebook page, as well as the plunge Oregon Facebook pages. Uh, but we'll kick things off with a live stream event on February 1st at 10 a.m. And so that'll just get the energy up and uh, get people excited and, you know, promote. And leading up to that, we have people that are already doing, you know, at-home crazy plunges to raise money on behalf of our organization. And we appreciate all of them for their creativity and commitment for sure. So we kick things off with the live event on February 1st, and then we'll have weekly themes. And so, for instance, week one, February 1st to the 6th, will be superhero week. So there'll be different ways you can dress up as your favorite superhero or there'll be superhero challenges. Uh, then we'll go into a scavenger hunt week where our organizers will work on different ways that you can, uh, you know, search things out in the digital world to, you know, achieve goals and be recognized for that. Then uh, we'll give a shout out to our sponsors throughout 
uh, February 14th through the 20th. And then the, the last week, we we're doing something called Super Plunge Week. And our Super Plungers, that's a, that's a different level bunch. You know, that's your, that's your um, the varsity of the Super Plungers, <laughs> if you will. And I, um, I will say, I was part of the inaugural group back in 2011 when uh, the idea was first launched in Oregon. Um, we were at a meeting. The concept came up that, hey, we think we can get some people to jump in the river once an hour for 24 straight hours. <laughs> so it's all your fault. Money. Well, no, it's not my <laughs> fault. Where, where it's my own fault getting in the water was, I said, if you can get 10 people to do this, I'll be your 11th. And it was sort of just, uh, I'll throw it out there. I'll okay. see it when I believe it. Well, as soon as the 10th person signed up, guess who number 11 had to be. <laughs> and so I did it. I've been a super plunger, but I, I've done it once and it is phenomenal. We have people that, since 2011 have done it every year since and they've you know recruited others along the way that is a group of individuals that is so inspirational in the uh, amount of awareness and money they've raised for our organization over the years and so during that last week is when our super plungers will you know leap into action and start promoting and doing some of the things uh in this creative new you know at home format if you will virtual format but there's going to be some that will still do the once an hour for 24 hours wow. in their own way. Others are going to do it over uh, a stretch of longer time. Um, but typically the super plunge would take place down at Broughton beach overnight yeah. in so, person. So if you're not going to be jumping in and out of the Columbia river, um, how are you going to get wet and cold for this for the <laughs> polar plunge this year? So there's lots of different ways. Uh, it does allow for more flexibility and, um, you know, you don't have to commit as much time necessarily if you are doing an in-person plunge, you know, you got to schedule a logistics of getting there and, you know, all that is fun, the in-person stuff. But uh, some of the benefit trades, uh, if you will, for the at-home is that uh, you can talk a family member into pouring a bucket of water over your head. Uh, you can run through the sprinklers. Uh, you can have somebody spray a garden hose at you. You can find a kiddie pool or slip and slide. Uh, if you were like me, and last week when those rainstorms hit, my backyard could have been its own plunge site. Uh, <laughs> you could have you know, sat down in several inches of standing water in my backyard. Uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to have snow where you are, snowball fights, you know, you can squirt guns, super soakers. Uh, you know, people have said, I'm going to chug a Slurpee and get a brain freeze. <laughs> you know, there's Ooh. all sorts of different ideas. Um, other people have said they're going to freeze clothes like a t-shirt or socks and put those on, oh, man. And, you know, for a certain amount of time. So there's different ways. Uh, you know, it, it really, again, is, you know, being safe. And uh, those are the ways we're promoting it. Um, you know, we're, we are talking a lot about precautions. Uh, when we do the in-person plunges, while we have a lot of people that are jumping in the river, um, or other bodies of water in Oregon in a normal year, at all times we're working with our local law enforcement. It's a huge supporter of Fuller Plunge over the years. They've, it's really um, launched out of what we call Law Enforcement Torch Run, which is a partnership that we have with the law enforcement community throughout the state. And, and they would always provide certified professional dive teams. You know, so they're sweeping the river ahead of time, make sure there isn't a dangerous debris as people are running in. And then they're there and ready at all times uh, to protect people because 
now we won't be able to offer those services, that structure. Uh, we do not want people to go freestyling in rivers and lakes and um, being unsafe. And so if you end up plunging in a pool, make sure you have a lifeguard, follow all recommendations for your local state county health officials when it comes to uh, anything you're using as far as public access to waterways. Uh, so we're really encouraging safe and at home and again, any plunges that don't follow our published guidelines that are on the website. So if you go to plungeoregon.org, you can learn more. But if they don't follow those guidelines, we can't endorse it and we won't promote it through our official social media channels. Mark, we have about a minute. Let us know how we can get signed up and participate in the Polar Plunge this year. All right. It is easiest if you go to plungeoregon.org, invite friends and family uh, set up your own teams and fundraising, reach out to your friends. There's different ways that you can um, promote the event uh, and tips and tricks that you can learn through the website itself. And then you can post your plunge photos and videos on social media, tag us at source states. So at S O O R states and at plunge Oregon, use the hashtags, uh, hashtag plunge Oregon or hashtag plunge at home. And we just greatly appreciate it. Our athletes uh, are really hoping for a return to in-person play as soon as it's safe to do so. But in the meantime, the money we raise will be to deliver virtual programming and also to invest in that future. So we need this event to be as strong as ever and be creative. Thank you for your support. Well, again, excellent way to pivot and make it work uh, in this current environment. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate the support from you, and uh, thanks for getting the message out for us. Uh, plunge safely, everybody, but plunge for Special Olympics Oregon. We appreciate it. That was Mark Hankin, COO of Special Olympics Oregon. If you'd like to hear this interview again, a podcast is available online. Just search Let's Talk Portland on the Radio.com app. Let's Talk Portland is an Intercom public affairs program.